You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's the Sooners Illustrated podcast, episode 40. On this Friday, December the 8th, 2023, Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy, James D. Jackson, Tom Green will be along in just a little bit. Had a, a little bit of a schedule move around here, obviously. If you're a regular listener, viewer, you know, Monday, Thursday, typically where we kind of target these things. We bumped the show back a day because we had a Brent Venable Zoom, which was very interesting uh, yesterday with the good folks at the Alamo Bowl. Obviously, Tom, James, and I will get into that a little bit later. Also had some hoop stuff yesterday as well. So we figured let's just bump this thing back a day, let the dust settle just a tiny bit more in the insanity that is the transfer portal. We'll get into everything on Friday. We have a lot to get to. Like we said, we got guys declaring for the draft, reportedly. Got guys opting out of the bowl, guys into the transfer portal, and a whole lot more going on. So we'll get into all of it here for you on the Sooners Illustrated podcast. But Colin, before we do transfer portal, which we have a lot to talk about, obviously, when it comes to that old portal, a little bit of recruiting news uh, to get going here because I'm sure a lot of you fans right now are curious should we get reinvested in Dominic McKinley? A lot of people are asking. People are asking. Obviously, if you're unfamiliar with Dominic McKinley, I think most of you fans are a quick refresher. Very highly touted defensive lineman in the 2024 class. Five-star. We have him as the number seven defensive lineman in the class. He's just outside of the top 30-ish players in the country. Committed to Texas A&M way back at the beginning of the season. You know, it felt like Oklahoma was in the mix there, obviously. Obviously, most people know Jimbo Fisher got fired. Elijah Robinson, defensive line coach, no longer there. And now you've seen Oklahoma, other players, Danny Okoye in there, um, Nigel Smith in there, openly campaigning to try and flip Dominic Kinley back to Oklahoma. So, Colin, it's uh, in a basic question, although not maybe not an easy one for you to answer. Does Oklahoma have a shot here? Can they get back to the Dominic McKinley sweepstakes before signing day here in a couple of weeks? Funny how everything that you just mentioned – also distract from the fact that the early signing period is coming up just days away, yeah. right? Yeah. We're literally like 13, 14 days from typically the area that commands most of the headlines and because of transfer portal and NFL draft declarations and the bowl game and basketball and all that, people forget that like the recruiting class is winding up too. And because of that, you always kind of get those final storylines. And it looks like one of the final few storylines of this 24 cycle down the stretch, of course, Dominic McKinley. And we've talked about this here on the show a couple different times. 
OU has been in contact with this guy for a while, even mm-hmm. despite his pledge to AM. Nigel Smith, Danny Okoye, I've noted on our board, those guys have been reaching out to Dom for basically months at this point. They've stayed in touch. Todd Bates has continued to recruit. And I think people forget it was a battle to the end for Dominic McKinley to the point where Todd Bates was going to fly out to the state of Louisiana the day of the decision. Now, Oklahoma didn't end up winning out in the end, but there's a lot of belief behind the scenes that OU kind of finished second a little bit ahead of Texas. But Texas was also very much in there. And I'm led to believe that OU and Texas have continued to sort of lick their lips here as all this has unfolded. Now, you touched on it briefly, Josh. It's very important to mention Elijah Robinson taking the Syracuse defensive coordinator job is the big domino that needed to fall. Jimbo Fisher getting fired really doesn't impact McKinley much at all. I don't even know if there was much contact between Fisher and the McKinley family to begin with. (laughs) But Elijah Robinson is the guy that Dominic McKinley himself, who is a very quiet individual, as we know, he took to social media and said, as long as Elijah Robinson is at Texas A&M, I am 110% committed. Well, Fran Brown, who is Georgia's elite defensive backs coach, one of the best in all of college football, takes the Syracuse head coaching gig. And once that happened, everyone behind the scenes was like, oh boy, because Fran Brown and Elijah Robinson, for lack of a better term, are like brothers. I mean, they, they are as close as it gets, best friends, if you want to say that. So when Fran Brown not only offered Elijah Robinson the job, but gave him a salary that was pretty impressive. And Texas A&M on that side of the equation, Josh, I, I, I have to say this. I was stunned that they offered him the highest paid assistant coach position. I believe it would have been the highest paid assistant coach job in all of college football, but to my knowledge, I don't think there was any other sort of title outside of defensive line coach. So uh, naturally, I don't think that they offered him the defensive coordinator spot or even a Cody C job, which I kind of expected. I don't even know if they offered him the like associate head coach title. So right. yeah, like Elijah Robinson's going to take that job. And as a result, now Dominic McKinley's got to reevaluate things. And I really do believe that from what I've heard, Oklahoma's pretty optimistic. Now, Looking at this objectively, I 110% understand Texas A&M's fan base's frustrations here because all this discussion surrounding guys who are either committed or on the roster, yes, it's not fair, but it's the world we live in. You know, I mean, even Oklahoma kind of had to go through this after sort of the mass exodus that took place with Lincoln Riley and all those players who left Norman, most notably Caleb Williams, everyone talked about his future before he officially left, even before the bowl game was played. And so for AM, obviously they're going to do whatever it takes. Now, the Aggies hired Sean Spencer, who was formerly the Florida defensive line coach. And I've personally heard nothing but good things about him. But he was, for lack of a better term, released by Florida's staff after kind of a frustrating year on the defensive side of the ball, gets hired in College Station. And the thing there is, like, he's got to not only recruit all these players on the roster or currently committed, he has to get to know them flat out. I I don't know that there's a lot of established relationships there 
between Spencer and all of these guys. And so I, from what I've heard, Dominic McKinley and his family are still feeling things out with Coach Chaos, I believe is his nickname. But OU's – this is the way I'll phrase it at the end of it all. OU's going to chip away at this now until either it falls or it stays firm. And David Stone has a great relationship with Dom. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we mentioned the other guys. Smith and McKinley have been in frequent contact. Bates, I know that McKinley's family loves Todd Bates, arguably one of their strongest, if not the strongest relationship that they have with an assistant coach. So this is huge, man. I I, I don't know what's going to happen next, but – Everyone's waiting to see if Dominic McKinley is actually going to decommit from Texas A&M. And if that happens, you're looking at, uh, let's just call it like a week to a week and a half worth of a recruitment for a five-star defensive hmm. I mean, this thing's going to be yeah. insane. And OU's certainly going to be a part of it. It is going to be wild. And it's exciting stuff to keep up with, topsy-turvy world of recruiting. Because, you know, I mean, we talked about it on the show. Whenever Jimbo Fisher got fired and we were curious <laughs> – would Elijah Robinson stay there and, you know, the impact because Oklahoma fans have gotten used to, they don't want to be used to, but used to losing out on these highly talented defensive linemen to College Station, Texas A&M. It always felt like Don McKinley was the most possible because obviously David Hicks and Gabe Brownlow didn't need, they're, they're there. They're at A&M. They're not in the portal even as of today. They're still not in the portal. But McKinley's just committed. You know, he hasn't signed anything. So it could be very easy to potentially flip him. And we'll see what happens sign day a couple weeks away still. And uh, it's just been interesting to see the full court press put on on social media. Nigel Smith with the power line graphic that has one silhouette open, like saying that that's you, man. Slide right in right there with myself, Dan Jackson, David Stone, and Okoye. What a group it could be. Um, it already is a great group, but what a group it could be uh, with Don McKinley in there. So be sure to keep up with Colin and obviously all our great recruiting insiders at 24-7 Sports. Let you know how – that could be going. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Now, as for the transfer portal, obviously it's it's been wild. Um, a lot of you guys are in the portal, Tom and James, I'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, but obviously Oklahoma fans are curious, where are they going to target? Where are they looking to add? Well, they've already made one ad. Michigan State offensive tackle Spencer Brown committed to Oklahoma earlier this week. OU's on the board in the portal. Um, you know, it feels like these transfer guys you kind of put into two piles, guys who are kind of depth ads who can probably help you out maybe right away, but certainly maybe down the line, and guys who are immediate plug-and-play. feels like Spencer Brown's in that second group. Immediate plug-and-play as a grad transfer, obviously a two-year starter at Michigan State at a right tackle, I think it is. Colin, talk about OU's vision here for Spencer Brown. Is he looked at as a starter right away next season? What went into landing him and just kind of, I guess, uh, your overall feel on uh, what the get and add means for Oklahoma moving forward? This is one of the first players Oklahoma targeted and made a priority within the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. I mean, right away, there was interest between the two. And offers came in for Spencer Brown. It was Ole Miss, USC, Oklahoma, a couple others. But Bill Bedenboe, Brent Venables, Oklahoma staff, made it clear to him that if he wants to play in the SEC and start right away and be developed in a place like Oklahoma, that door is open. And yeah. he walked He walked right through it. I mean, what? It lasted like three days, times mm-hmm. this quote-unquote yeah. recruitment. And you, you look at this. It's funny, too, Josh. And I'll say this kind of pulling the, the curtain back. 
Alan True and I were working on this recruitment together. And Spencer Brown told us at 24-7 Sports, like, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to visit Oklahoma on December 15th, but don't put that out there yet. And then all of a sudden, later that day, he just pulls the trigger. And it's like, what what the hell is going on? I mean, th- these portal recruitments are crazy to follow. Yeah. But when there's a, a high-level offensive lineman out there, that's sometimes what it takes and, and what's going to take place. And so in Spencer's case, it, it, it totally checks out, right? Like you mentioned, six foot six, around, what, 315 pounds. I believe he grades out really well as a run blocker specifically. We'll need to develop a little bit from a pass protection perspective, but I look at this and OU's got some encouraging foundational pieces on the, on the offensive line, right? You got Jacob Sexton, who's mm-hmm. proven to be someone you're really excited about. Caden Green, you you brought in Troy Everett last year from the portal. You feel like that guy's going to be your center going into next year if and when Andrew Rame ships out, but Losing Walter Rouse and Tyler Guyton supposedly Presumably, to the NFL draft, yeah. I, I we we think that's going to happen, and like I want to let those guys make their decision, but they're both NFL draft worthy players. Let's put it that way. You lose both tackles, Jacob Sexton. I know I talked to him before the season started, Josh, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm really excited about working at left tackle more because left hand is dominant hand and." It's a position he had gotten to know a little bit more, I believe, in high school. But he he also has had some experience playing right tackle in high school. So they needed him at right tackle during this season. But I believe that they would like to work him at left going mm. the next year. Caden Green, I mean, I don't know what you do because he's already shown he's arguably an elite left guard. So you let those two slide in the next year along the left side, well, your best offensive lineman, in my opinion, Tyler Guyton, that dude's gone on the right side. Spencer Brown's just kind of a natural fit at right tackle. So you slot in a dude who's, what, going to be in a sixth year of eligibility, and he's proven at the Power 5 level. And, yeah, he has some developmental stuff that needs to get done in his game, but that was also the case with guys like Guyton and Rouse. And look what they became at Oklahoma. So – Really quality addition here, man. I, I really like the fact that we all kind of knew this was a position of need, and they they checked the box right away. So quality get from Michigan State and a guy who I expect to slide right in there at a right tackle for Oklahoma. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Bill Beanbow has, has shown an, a, a knack for doing this um, in the last, just in the recent history of here even. Obviously, look at guys like McKay Matoyer. Obviously, this last year, Walter Rouse. I mean, Obviously, they recruit that position at a high level. They put a lot of guys in the NFL, a lot of guys, Wanya Morris. But they've done a great job at recognizing where they need somebody and going out and getting it. And the track record kind of speaks for itself with Bill because you look at every single year, they're putting at least one or two guys in the NFL, if not more. And uh, it'll be the case again this year, we we assume, with uh, Walter Rouse and Tyler Guyton. Guyton, obviously, a guy who's considered you know a very high prospect. So it's uh, just kind of a year-after-year thing. And... I expect this year, this this time next year, we're talking about Spencer Brown in the NFL draft as a guy probably after his year at Oklahoma with Bill Beatonville. So the transfer portal, obviously, we're just scratching the surface. Obviously, Oklahoma's not going to be as insane with their level of ads as they have been the last couple of years. They don't need to be, but they're going to be active here, right? Obviously, give us some some ideas on some targets. We'll start offensively because we just talked about Brown. 
obviously you've lost, you know, three running backs to the portal so far. Uh, you lost that reserve tight end, and that position was just simply not very good last year. What are some positions and maybe some names that you think could make sense offensively first, we're going to defense in a second when it comes to the transfer port for Oklahoma here over the next, you know, several weeks or whatever? Yeah, so starting with the offense, they add a guy. That's your first domino, but that should kind of start a chain reaction, right? You, you kind of think they're going to try and build out that side of the ball quickly because mm -hmm. the defensive side of the ball, and we'll get into this, to me is a little bit more of a mystery right now. Offensively, though, early targets have been clearly identified, and they want to add a tight end. I've identified some names already that have come up. Most notably is Jalen Conyers, right? And I, and I reported the other right. night, there are frequent discussions between Conyers and Oklahoma staff. In fact, I, I texted Conyers just checking in on him, being like, hey, what's, what's, what's going on with you? How's it going? What's the outlook there? Are you setting visits anything? And he, he said, I hadn't officially said anything, but Oklahoma staff that day that I texted him had just called him and asked, like, when can we get you on campus? And so I believe Conyers is going to be on campus within the next week or so. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm eyeing a couple other teams, though. He says he's down to three, and I'll kind of get into that more for our VIP subscribers. I believe you can still get one month for $1. Then there's some other names out there who make some sense at tight end, but Conyers is the primary target. Wide receiver, I mean, we've, we've had a couple of folks, Steve Wilfong, Greg Biggins have hopped on, Deion Burks, wide receiver transfer guy, Mikey Matthews, another transfer wide receiver. Some of these guys are hearing from Oklahoma, but nothing officially set there. As far as the offensive line, though, with Spencer Brown in the mix, I think this is pretty interesting because now that you kind of have Brown slated as your right tackle and you have Sexton, you have Green, you have Everett, you probably want to add one or two more, but are you, number one, looking for firm starter at, like, tackle? Is just right, right guard what you really want to solidify? I, I, we'll see. The guy I'm keeping an eye on closely is Gino Vandemark, a teammate of Spencer Brown from Michigan State. Oklahoma was one of the first to offer him. He's a big dude, Midwest kind of guy. I believe he's like 330 pounds at six foot six. He feels like a natural fit at right guard to me, but he has offers from, I think it's like Arkansas and so on and so forth. So that's another one. And there are a couple other offers that are out there, which we'll dive into more at Sooners Illustrated. But to close it out, I think the most curious positions when it, comes to Oklahoma and the offensive transfer portal side of things, running back and quarterback. I, I I think they're going to push for a running back addition. I think it has to be the right running back. But Sam mm -hmm. Franklin, who played at, at UT Martin, he and I have been swapping some texts back and forth. He's very excited about the interest. He's got USC, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, and – Someone else has offered him. He ran for more than 1,100 yards at UT Martin, scored 11 times, really talented player. And I believe he will be visiting Oklahoma sometime soon, within the next week. So there's that name. And then, look, Raheem Sanders, right, from Arkansas. Yeah. He, he's going to get a call from literally everybody under the sun. And so – 
I look at Raheem and I say, that's probably the dream get, but it's a tough one. But those two backs are kind of the, the first two that come to mind for me when you talk about Oklahoma and transfer portal targets at the position. But I still believe, at least in my opinion, and you might disagree, Oklahoma doesn't really need a guy out of the portal at the spot. Yeah. It could be a luxury to get one. So we'll see what happens there. And then quarterback, maybe adding a veteran presence is the right move. I don't see a name out there yet that makes a ton of sense. We'll see what happens, though, because as I've explained to our, our subscribers, like a lot of players are still looking at their bowl game, things of that nature. So more portal entries are going to take place, and the window closes on January 1st, end of day, I believe. So I think if they are going to add quarterback-wise, it's not a name that's been identified yet to this point. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You know, what's the sell there um, if you're Oklahoma? That, that's tough because obviously you have Jackson Arnold sitting there. He, he's your guy, and then you're bringing in Michael Hawkins and Brendan Zerbrug, you know, in the recruiting class. We saw Oklahoma do this a couple of years ago when it was clear they needed another guy and it was really hard to get one. They tried to get Jackson Dart, didn't. They tried to get Chuba Purdy, Chuba Purdy, didn't. And ended up getting Davis Bevel, obviously. And uh, we'll see if they have better luck this time, if they can find somebody who's at least a somewhat reliable backup option to Jackson Arnold. Obviously, OU fans have thrown out Casey Thompson. Obviously, he's been all over the place. He's in the portal. Somebody like that probably would make the most sense, I guess. And I actually agree with you on running back. You know, it, it's wild to, to say that you could lose three guys to the position, including one of your more productive guys last year, and still feel like you're okay. Um, that position's really deep, um, and they got guys coming in. Taylor Tatum, obviously. Xavier Robinson coming in. I'll say Andy Bass won't be available. Uh, had an unfortunate knee injury. State championship game, you know, a week ago. But even so, Caleb Hicks is still sitting there. I mean, there, there's a lot to like in that room, even as it is now, you know, without whatever they have. But like you said, probably could see them maybe adding at least one as kind of another depth option uh, whenever we get there. That's going to be fun to see how that looks. Obviously, Barnes and Sawchuck both are going to be back. So uh, that room is in is in good shape. Defensively, obviously, this is where actually most of the portal movement has been so far for Oklahoma. Kelvin Gilliam reportedly in the portal yesterday. Um, you're looping Key Lawrence hopped in the portal. It's kind of a, a, a bevy of guys. Most of the guys, Richie Grimes, have actually been on the defensive side so far. Not a ton of guys who you would have thought would be stars necessarily next year, but a lot of guys on defense. Where are you identifying Oklahoma as being aggressive here positionally on the defensive side? And what's maybe a name or two that you think you could see end up in, uh, in Crimson, obviously, when this is all said and done? Yeah, I mean, look, the primary goal between the recruiting class and the transfer portal class is to continue to build out the lines of scrimmage, right? And I look at this, and I think Oklahoma, two parts of the equation. You want to shore up the front now, but you want to have guys who you can build with going into the future. Because in an ideal world, as you move to the SEC, you have guys coming in from the transfer portal cycle or the recruiting class who are not only going to come in and help you right away, but are also going to probably be around for a while. And so the immediate name that comes to mind for me is Chris McClellan, right? Was right. an Owasso Ram. Ram pride. Yeah, Ram pride. There you go, Josh. <laughs> uh, he went to Florida. Oklahoma was very much in the mix for him once upon a time. And now that he's back in the portal, I, 
I, I swapped some 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 messages with Chris. He's a great guy. I got to know him obviously during the high school side of things, and he told me he was like, I haven't officially entered the portal yet, but I've had to keep my phone on the charger every single day. Like he's yeah. like, he's like, dude, it's been it's been nuts, just people blowing me up. And now that he's officially in, I mean, offers everywhere. Florida State offering like, right away. Uh, Arkansas, so on and so forth. Everybody's after him. But Oklahoma's going to be, I mean, I would argue this is one of their top priorities in the portal right now. So expect Chris McClellan to quickly maybe iron out a visit with OU. I think that Todd Bates is going to have a really efficient sell with him. You can kind of tell that Chris might be leaning towards a return home, which is why it sounds like Arkansas and Oklahoma are some early contenders. But, man, I mean, like if Florida State presses, I don't know what happens next. You know what I mean? So – Chris McClellan along the front line. A couple other names I've heard and I've mentioned on the board, but still ironing some things out there. Linebacker Christopher Paul, Pooh Paul, who they they that's their nickname for him, out of state of Arkansas or out of the program of Arkansas, I should say, from Florida. Yeah, but he leaves the state of Arkansas as arguably the top linebacker in the transfer portal, and that's been reflected. I think Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Everybody's in on this guy. That's probably the name to know at linebacker if you're OU. Now, where does OU stand within his portal recruitment? I don't know. You know, because there's so many other teams. There's so many other teams. He's got a lot of offers. Yeah. I, I would encourage fans who haven't seen or maybe you don't have a Twitter account, like Google maybe who all is offered him. Because I think it's like, Auburn, I mean, everybody's in on this dude. So you just kind of have to wait and see there, right? And then there's defensive back, which I believe is kind of the overlooked need for Oklahoma in the portal. But also, I think they kind of have to be selected. I I am of the belief that corner is more of a need than safety for OU mm-hmm. in the transfer cycle. you got to like where you're at at safety. But if there's someone out there like an Andrew Makuba, you make the phone call. So let's start there. Obviously, Makuba entered the portal. I I had a text come in about 8 o'clock this morning from sources like, hey, Makuba's going to visit Oklahoma within the next week. And I've seen since then it's been blowing up on social media. I know our own Mike Roach at 24-7 Sports put something up for our subscribers today about how everything's shaking out there. I don't want to dive into the situation too much because I'm going to have some notes up on him later this afternoon. But Makuba, expect him to be on campus within the next seven days in Norman. And I'll, and I'll say this. Makuba is one of my favorite high school players I've ever covered. Watching that dude at Austin LVJ, he and Latrell McCutcheon were teammates back then, and mm. McCutcheon was an Oklahoma commit once upon a time. So I would go out there, obviously, to, to, to cover McCutcheon. But Makuba, as a once-upon-a-time Clemson commit, I couldn't stop watching him. He was so good. I mean, maybe one of the best high school safeties I've ever seen. He's so much yeah. fun to watch. He played wide receiver at LBJ two at times and just, I mean, bean tops guys all day. Like, Moss is these dudes. He is insanely <laughs> talented. And, and people forget he was a freshman All-American at Clemson. Right. Now, he, uh, he comes off of a year where – Probably expectations didn't deliver relative to preseason hype, but he's still every bit of the talent 
And because of that, you've got programs like Oklahoma, USC, Oregon, Texas, all involved early on. And I wouldn't be surprised if more are on the way. So Maku was a big name. And then you've got a corner. Obviously, Toriano Pride hit the portal, but entered in with a do not contact tag. And Missouri ends up winning in the end. That, to me, really checks out based on what I had heard. So we'll see. Des Malone from San Diego State is now kind of the name you got to know at corner if you're an Oklahoma fan. Really good player at SDSU. Kind of a guy that I think a lot of big-name programs are going to be involved with a cornerback. So we'll see. I, I, I text a couple people in Des Malone's camp. They said they're hearing from basically everyone in America trying to figure out what's next, visit-wise or anything like that. But Oklahoma zeroing in on him. But then at the end of it, why I kind of mentioned earlier in the show is like I, I think this side of the ball for OU as far as transfers, the picture hasn't been fully painted, right? Like I don't think that their priority targets or everyone who they want to go after is in the portal yet. There are probably some names out there who are figuring out what their world looks like. And if they were to hit the portal, then Oklahoma's like, okay, let's go all in. But you're not going to know, at least for a few days, because bowl games and things of that nature and exit meetings and things like that. So stay tuned as far as the transfer portal defensive side of the equation, because I think Oklahoma is really excited about who's on the board currently, but kind of across the country, because defense is a height, weight, speed kind of game, the best players, if they have yet to enter the portal, everyone's going to wait to see what happens with those guys. And I think that the Sooners are kind of under that umbrella. Yeah, and you would imagine some of this obviously gets affected too by some decisions that need to still be made on Oklahoma's roster. Obviously, reportedly, Danny Stutzman is looking to go to the NFL, but he hasn't said anything officially yet. Brett Venables chose not to really get into it. In that Zoom press conference yesterday, Billy Bowman, another one, has a decision to make if he's going to come back to school or go ahead and chase that NFL you know, dream. And obviously that, that lets you know, not that those positions, like we just said, linebacker and safety are dire without those guys, but you're much more inclined to put the full court press for somebody without those two. So still a lot to be ironed out and figured out, uh, obviously, here over the next uh, week or two or, or even after the bowl game, obviously, for some of these guys. So we'll see how that all shakes out. CK, appreciate you as always. Be sure to subscribe, Oklahoma247sports.com. Colin's been all over it with all the transfer portal stuff, and obviously all our great insiders uh, have been contributing as well. It's crazy times, crazy times. So uh, hop aboard. Uh, lots of good stuff and intel coming in regularly from our guy here. All right, we'll go ahead and get James and Tom in. We're going to talk about Oklahoma, all the guys that have entered the portal from the Sooners. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the Stutzman decision, Bowman decision, like I kind of just referenced. Maybe even a little bit of hoops on the way out. That team is playing really, really well. We'll talk about that as well. Coming up right here, right now, on the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! All right, we now bring in James D. Jackson, Tom Green here to hit some more team stuff on the back end. Gentlemen, obviously the big news of the week right now is not even a transfer portal guy, which we're going to get a lot of transfer portal guys in just a second because there's a lot of Sooners in that thing. But Danny Stutzman reportedly entering the draft. So according to Sooner Scoop, which is over at On3, they reported earlier this week that Danny Stutzman has told Brent Venables and told Oklahoma that he is going to enter the NFL draft, obviously forego his senior season and presumably forego the bowl game uh, as well. Obviously, as of now, Friday at 12.19 that we're sitting here, Danny has not said anything about this publicly. Brent Venables was asked about it yesterday at his Alamo Bowl Zoom press conference. He didn't say anything. He certainly left me with the impression that he is going to go, the way he kind of talked about it, said, you know, everything has its time. I'll let Danny announce that when he's ready, blah, blah, blah. But guys, obviously, and again, I want to reiterate, he hasn't said anything. We have not, not confirmed it. That's according to, to Sooner Scoop that's saying that Danny is going to go ahead and go to the NFL next year. This would be obviously a huge blow for Oklahoma moving forward. I, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. I honestly thought that Danny would be back. Um, I thought a year in the SEC was going to do wonders for him NFL-wise. But when you get that draft grade back and you like it, it's hard not to take it. What are some uh, thoughts here, guys, on, on kind of all of this? Are you surprised how big of a loss is it? Kind of all of it. Put it into context for us if Stutzman does, in fact, go to the NFL next year and is not back with Oklahoma. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you, mildly surprised. I kind of expected him yeah. to be back for a senior season, especially the way he kind of talked about it, especially on the podcast with him and Jaron. Um, mm-hmm. Sounded like you know he was ready to contribute in the SEC for a year, get that under his belt, and kind of improve his sock a little bit. But obviously, things change when you get your you know draft feedback back, and you know if he's a mid second rounder, day two type of guy. Like that, it's hard to pass that up. Obviously, you know, you could improve your stock if you come back. You could, you know, be in the race for the butt kiss. You can get a SEC season under your belt. You can keep on building on these numbers that you've put up the last two years and really put more on tape for scouts. But you could also get injured. And he's a guy who's dealt with some injuries in his career. Um, obviously, missed a game and a half this year with that ankle injury. But <clears throat> Again, if you if you're getting a day two grade, it's hard to to turn that down in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, if he does end up leaving, and the way Brent Venables talked about it, it's it, it was very much a reading between the lines type of thing. He's like, you know, I'll let Danny comment on that when he's ready to. You know, you, you use the words, you know, everything has its time. Very similar phrasing to what he used when he talked about Dylan Gabriel toward the end of the season about whether he might come back for another year. So it, it's just, you know, the phrasing, the way he said it, it just sounds like this is what it's going to be with Danny. And it's a big it's a big loss for them. Like, 
yes, they have some younger linebackers that they really like, but you're talking about a guy that led the team in tackles each of the last two years, has been one of the most productive linebackers in the country during that span, you know, 16 tackles for loss, probably should have been a finalist for the Buckus Award too. If he yeah. probably would have been if he hadn't missed a game and a half. But, I mean, it, it, it's a tough loss um, regardless. It's kind of hard to have a, a genuine reaction because we don't know if it's true yet. I mean, we, we literally don't know at this point in time. We're still speculating. We know what Brent Venable said and things like that. And make it, it makes it kind of seem like it's going to happen because mm -hmm. you would think he would just shoot it, shoot, shoot it down if that's not the case at all. But it's just it's hard to have a, a genuine reaction to it because when you think about it, yeah, it would be a, it would be a, a significant blow to the linebacker room. I mean, that, I mean, that's your guy. We talked about it all year. He was we have said he was a leader of the team. I mean, I know I've said it a couple of times. It's not he's not just a leader of defense. I think he was a leader of the team overall. His his tenacity, his attitude, all that pivoted towards all the other players. So if he does leave that, I mean that's a big blow. You gotta find that the next guy to step up. I mean, yes, that's all it is to it. And I think oh, he's gonna have a, a bunch of young guys uh being in that being in the game next year. I mean, that's that's what it's gonna be. We're gonna see a lot of that in the bowl game, as Brent Venable say. A lot of guys that didn't get to play a lot, didn't get to start, are gonna be out there mm -hmm. and we're gonna see. So it's time to, to figure out who the next leader is because you know, Dylan Gabriel also has a possibility of leaving. I know he's in the transfer portal now, but you never know what, what could happen in that situation. But, I mean, you, you really got to find who's the next guy. Is it Jackson Arnold? Is it somebody on the defense? You know, is Billy Bowman coming back? All those things factor into it. But, yeah, as of right now, losing Danny Stetson will be a very big blow, especially as you try to get into the SEC. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that last year he led the team in total snaps. This year he led the linebacker core in total snaps. Would have been up there for the team total if he hadn't missed a game and a half with that ankle injury. And again, just the production. Look, you have guys that have shown that they have a bright future. You know, Kip Lewis was really good in spots this year. Kobe McKenzie came on strong in a couple points. Yeah. You know, Jerry Kanick is still developing there, but he's a guy that's obviously played a lot of ball. Um, Lewis Carter is another guy that they're pretty high on. Samuel Masigo, even though he's playing a little bit more of the cheetah spot. They have guys, and you know, linebacker is the position that, like, that is Brent Venable's baby. That is his bread and butter. Those are the guys that he really develops and works and, you know, turns into NFL-type talents. <clears throat> and if Danny Stutzman feels that two years in that system with Brent Venables has, you know, put him in a good position to make that leap to the NFL, I mean, good for him. Go for it. But, you know, they're going to need to probably address that position in the portal, even though they have some bodies there, just to get probably, you know, a more veteran presence in that room mm -hmm. too. Um, and I know you and Colin talked about, you know, Chris Paul, the Arkansas linebacker um, earlier, obviously yeah. a guy with SEC experience. If they can get him, that would be huge, clearly. Um, but again, it, it if Danny does end up leaving, which it seems like that's going to be the case, it's a tough blow for them. I really like, yeah. I really like Kip Lewis. I'm high on him. I mean, he, he did a very good sure. job stepping in for Danny Stutzman when, Dennis Stetson went down. I mean, he, he I think he led the team in tackles at the times that he was in there for Danny Stetson. And then at the end of the year, we saw them both on the field at the same time, kind of playing together. So, I mean, he, I mean, he is going to be the one that has the kind of the experience there, I guess. I mean, Jerry Kennick should have more than him, but I think he was, you know, he was doing more in the, with the with the role he was given at the time. So, I think Kip Lewis will be a big, you know, a big person to look, to look after. Look, see see how he's going to develop this offseason. We've always talked about him gaining weight. And I mean. He seems pretty good right now where he's at. I mean, if he gains some weight too, I mean, he could be he could mm -hmm. be the next day assessment or a guy that's you know remembered for a long time here at OU. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure, obviously, on the development of Kip and Kobe and Canick, and obviously even those young guys coming up, Lewis Carter, Samuel Omasigo. You need all those guys to come along 
now if uh, if if Danny is in fact gone. Obviously, I mean, Sussman was the leading tackle on this team by damn near 40 tackles. I mean, he's far and away the most productive guy. The only two games they lost this year was when Danny was out. As we talked about that many times, he's a huge part of the team, um, both on the field and off it. Obviously, we saw that Texas pregame speech. Can't lose the game after a guy does that. Who's going to be that guy <laughs> after Danny's gone? So if that's the way it goes, it's a it's a huge loss, obviously. When I say it's surprising, certainly not that I don't think Danny can play in the NFL because I do, and he will absolutely get drafted. It just felt like that guy loves being at OU, and he wants to play in the SEC, and he can raise his stock so much higher. It felt like if he played another season and was just as productive in the SEC next year, and also like in – 2023, 2024, college football with NIL. Who's more marketable at OU in any sport than Danny Sutton is right now? I mean, that guy is going to make money. At o- he's not he's not playing for free out there by any means if he came back. Now, is it NFL money? No, but it's money. So we'll see. Obviously, it's not a sh- stunning s- decision if that's the way it goes, but it is a little surprising and uh, obviously a big blow. And the other one is Billy Bowman, like James kind of touched on. He was on the show as soon as Portis talked about rolling Tay Lyman on I think that was Monday. This week's been long. Yeah. Monday. Monday. And he said that he hadn't made a decision yet. He was focused on the Alamo Bowl. He's kind of the other big matzo ball hanging out there right now, as far as if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said Danny and Billy will be back. I felt pretty good about that. But now that if Danny's reportedly going, I'm kind of thinking like maybe Billy will as well. Gut check feel for both of you guys, and we'll get into some transfer portal stuff on Billy Bowman. Do you think he comes back where you kind of just where you at right now with, with Billy? That's another big one. Obviously, Danny and Billy are the two guys on this defense all year that kind of made it go. Tough to replace both in one cycle if that's the way this ends up. Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if Billy goes. Yeah. I mean, his stock's really high right now. Um, obviously, the, the production is there. What, what he did, you know, second in the nation in interceptions, lead the nation in pick sixes. It's been, you know, along with Danny – arguably the best defensive player on this team in the last two years. Um, <clears throat> but you know, if, if he's getting a grade back, you know, like Danny, if he's getting a grade that he feels is, you know, hard to pass up, I mean, he's going to go for it. Again, if he leaves, Oklahoma's going to have to, you know, probably add another safety in the portal. Um, you know, you have, you have a good core there with, Peyton Bowen and Robert Spears Jennings, but a Billy Bowman leaves, you're going to need some more bodies back there and some more experience too. Um, <clears throat> my gut right now, I would, and this isn't based on anything that is just, you know, sure. if Danny leaves, I find it more likely to see Billy Bowman making that jump too. Yeah, me too. But also, I mean, listening to him talk on Monday, you know, I wasn't convinced that he was going to leave. It sounds like, I mean, when you hear, I mean, we haven't really heard from Danny Stutzman, but when you hear from Billy Bowman, it's like maybe they're waiting on this to see how this team shapes up. I mean, Brent Venables talked about, you know, who they expect to bring in. He's expecting 34, 35 new guys in, you know, 10 in the transfer portal, 20, 27 or so through uh, just signing high school guys. Because at this point in time, it's like, why would what what would you be waiting on in terms of, you know, not announcing? You look at other guys like Spencer Rattler. He's already announced he's going to the NFL. You know, there's there's guys out there that have already announced. You can start mm-hmm. getting ready, start doing your training and everything like that. It seems like maybe they're waiting on something. Maybe they're seeing how this team shapes up. I mean, how they're going to look. I mean, that, that could be the case. I'm not for sure. Like like Tom said, it's not based on anything. I'm just trying to speculate here. Maybe that's something that Billy Bowman is waiting on. Maybe it's something Danny Stessman is waiting on just to see where this team is at. 
And uh, there's no there's no doubt in our minds that oh you would uh, welcome them back with open arms. I mean they're the two best guys on the defense. I mean overall they're just two the two best guys, and they they showed it this season. So having them back, you know that leadership they bring would be would be impeccable for OU. Yeah, and like Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman are two guys that you kind of back up the Brinks truck for in terms mm-hmm. of NIL money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know may, maybe you know there's some negotiations going on there trying to get trying to get them a little bit more to you know, convince Billy to stay or something like that. You know, he should leverage whatever opportunity he has and not rush a decision. Um, but look, he's got plenty of time to make a decision. It sounds like he's committed to playing in the bowl game, um, which obviously is big for Oklahoma um, to kind of close out the year and try to get that 11th win, having one of their best defensive players out there. So we'll see how it all shapes out. It's going to be an interesting month. Absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, like I've referenced, Transfer Portal is, is alive and well. <laughs> A lot of guys have hopped in there for Oklahoma. Um, there's a common kind of theme here with the guys who have hopped in, uh, and we'll get into some of that here in a second. But just to recap, and obviously some of these guys we've talked about already, but there's 12 guys in the portal as of now. Dylan Gabriel, Tommy Walker, Marcus Major, Dalen Smothers, so three running backs, tight end Jace Llewellyn, DJ Graham, we talked about, Savion Burr, Nate Anderson, Marcus Hicks, along the offensive line, and then on defense, Reggie Grimes, Key Lawrence, and the latest, Kelvin Gilliam, yesterday. So 12 guys. Outside of Kelvin Gilliam, maybe you could talk me into. I don't think any of these guys would be starters on next year's team. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel, that 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 it's Jackson Arnold's time <laughs> next year. So I, you know, you're not losing, you know, not to diminish any of these guys as players, but you're not there's nobody here that's just a huge body blow. Um, a lot of these guys are from the previous regime too, which is noteworthy. Um, a lot of these guys are key are uh Alex Grinch guys, especially on defense. They've only lost three guys on defense. They all were Alex Grinch guys. And Key Lawrence, Reggie Grimes, and now Kelvin Gilliam. What are some thoughts for you guys? Take things that jump out. So 12 guys in the portal, like I said, I don't think there's anybody here who you're saying, like, wow, that really hurts. Obviously, some guys that you wouldn't necessarily want to lose. Dale Smothers probably falls in that category. Maybe even Kelvin Gilliam falls into that category. But obviously, 12 guys now in the portal. What has kind of stuck out for you guys here in this first week as uh, OU is – they're cleaning out some spots here. There, there's some turnover being done with this roster right now as they try to get ready again for the SEC and get this this roster more in Venable's vision, Venable's eye, I guess, before they make that big move. Yeah, I think the one that might have been a little bit surprising, like you said, was Kelvin Gilliam. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just a guy who he, he was pretty highly rated coming out. Um, you know, just hasn't really made a big impact. Um you know, obviously, they, they need to bulk up on that defensive line. They need to get some more guys in there as they move to the SEC because that is a line of scrimmage league. Um, so him, him getting in there is a little bit surprising, but obviously I think Oklahoma's going to you know, try to add some guys in the portal. And obviously they have a very, you know, pretty highly touted 2024 class coming in um, that it seems that they're still working to build on. Um, the running back situation, again, we, we kind of figured that there would be some attrition there just because it's kind of a log jam. Um, especially with, you know, Gavin Sacha, Javante Barnes, and, you know, bringing in guys like Taylor Tatum and Xavier Robinson and Andy Bass. So those aren't really surprising. Um, tight end is another spot. Look, we talked about it all year. Like, the tight end position just was not living up to the standard mm-hmm. for Oklahoma season. It was a clear weak link on this team. Um, so to see Jason Lowell and hop in there, also not a surprise. They're clearly going to try to bring someone in there along with Devon Mitchell in the 24, 24 class and try to improve that position. So, uh, again, 12 guys, it seems like a lot. But, I mean, 
lots of schools have lots of turnover in this day and age. You know, guys getting recruited over, guys not happy with their playing time, guys who just might not be a cultural fit anymore. Um, again, you know, like you said, a lot of these guys were from the previous regime. Yeah. Um, you know, Brent Venables is trying to build this program and his image, how he sees fit. Um, there's, there's just going to be some natural attrition there. I think in the short term, losing guys like Dylan Gabriel, Tawi Walker, Key Lawrence, those guys that you've seen play this year, just like for this bowl game, just for just for one game, that's where it hurts the most. But I think overall, I think when you look at it for next year, I think OU's is just fine. They're they're in a good they're in yeah. a good spot because we we know who they're going to bring behind every single one of those guys that they're, that 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 we just talked about. I mean, I, I've always liked Key Lawrence. I mean, everybody said everybody knows that he was That's a he was a good guy. Right no, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. He he came <laughs> to watch our flag games. Everything. He was a good guy. I, I like him. He did. He made some good plays out there at OU. I mean, he had some plays where he 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 didn't you know gave up some busts here and there. But overall, he was a very good player. I think. I know he he got some flack for a lot of the season, but he. He kind of was kind of the attitude as well. He 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 fed off of Danny Stutzman. He was a guy that you saw a lot, you know, talking about, you know, where OU is now. What, what are they going to say now? Things like that. He's one Big of those talker. guys. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and you can't you can't say enough about Dylan Gabriel and Tommy Walker and what they did this year. So I mean, in the short term, those are the guys I think that will be tough to overcome just for this this one bowl game. But next year, I think Oklahoma is just in a fine position. They'll be just all right. And we'll see where a lot of these guys end up. Obviously, that's like a Marcus Hicks, I think, was like South Dakota or something really tiny that's like that. State. Yeah, South Dakota State. Obviously, all these other guys haven't committed yet. Key Lawrence had that visit to Ole Miss. Um, so we'll see where a lot of these guys end up. I'm always fascinated in that because, like, we have these opinions of these guys when they're at OU. You watch them play. But really, nothing tells you more about what kind of level the player they actually are than when they hit the portal and you see what their market is and, and where they wind up. Um it's going to be fascinating to see where a lot of these guys end up. You know, Marcus Major, Tyler Walker, like what it, where can they land a, a job? Basically, it's going to be kind of fun to fun to see. Dylan Gabriel, we talked about that a little bit on Monday. So, but yeah, time, on, on Tommy Walker, I, I forgot. Yeah. Like on, on social media, it was DeMarco Mori kind of like, you know, gave a thumbs up to his highlight tape, you know, for NOU. It was like, okay, okay, I see it. Because, you know, this doesn't, yeah. just because they're in the transfer portal doesn't mean they're going to leave necessarily. There's still a chance they can come back. You know, it that hasn't happened true. a lot, but. Yeah, so it was good to see DeMarco. It was good to see DeMarco thumbs, you know, giving a thumbs up and things like that to it. I mean, it could also just be that hey, like they're leaving on good terms. Um, mm-hmm. I know right. Tawi had had his problems. You know, he had that in, in in-house suspension for a game. Right. Um, you know, he told us early in the season that he he when he first got here, he thought that DeMarco Murray didn't like him. Um, but you know, realized that's just <laughs> kind of coaching that he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, look, they're, they're two Las Vegas guys. Um, you know. And we, and we talked about it with Tawi. You know, he's got he's got a family. He's got a young child to provide for. So, you know, it to me that felt like Demarco being like, "Hey, man, go go do your thing. Go secure yeah, your right. family's future, um, and represent for Las Vegas." And, that, and that's pretty cool because you know that that may have been holding Tawi Walker back from other schools. Maybe they're thinking if you're having you know problems with coaches, I don't we don't know if we should you should have you here. But Demarco Murray showing that they're on good terms, and things like that, it could help Tawi Walker out. So that's a pretty yeah. good a pretty cool notion if that's the case. Yeah. yeah, and, and of course, all all these coaches, you know, they, they reach out to other programs like we like we heard Brent Venables and you know Jeff Webby earlier this season with Andre Anthony. Like when he hit the portal, they reached out to some people they knew at Michigan. And everybody there was like, "Yeah, man, we wish we could keep him," mm-hmm. but he just mm-hmm. needed a fresh start, and yes. you know, he felt like he found that at Oklahoma. So, you know, all these coaches are going to do their due diligence. These players are going to do their due diligence and try to find the best opportunities for themselves. Um, <clears throat> 
And uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where they wind up, especially you know a guy like Dylan Gabriel. Hundred percent transfer portal season is uh, alive and well. Uh, like I said, twelve guys in the portal right now for Oklahoma. We'll see if there's any more. Um, obviously, maybe some guys still trying to decide how they want to proceed. You got to have some tough conversations with the coaches, things like that. Obviously, it was a lot on Monday. It was just an avalanche. It's kind of pecker, uh, you know slowed down since then, um, but still that portal's still open for another several weeks. So uh, we'll see what happens here before now and, and uh, January 1st. Closing out the show on uh, a little bit of hoops here on the back end. Team is good. Team is good. We talked about it last <laughs> week. Um, had the McCaslin game, which was awesome. Um, really, really cool. Obviously not a resume builder by any means against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but it was a really cool setting. They just whacked Providence uh, on Tuesday. They're 8-0. They're number 19 in the AP poll. They have Arkansas on Tol in Tulsa tomorrow, Saturday. If you win that, you're probably in the top 15, maybe the fringe of the top 10. This team is fun uh, right now. Tom, they feel like the real deal. I mean, we, we were there on Tuesday. That Providence game was nip and tuck pretty much the whole way, and then it just – they ran away. They ended up winning by 21 in a game that was – they were down in the second half. They ended up winning by 20-plus. Team's a lot of fun, and uh, I think OU fans should should probably start to get a little excited here. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this new up-tempo playing style that they've got, but, you know, what, what kind of gets overlooked in, you know, the emphasis on the offense there is just that, hey, this team plays defense too, man. Yep. They, I, they talk about it a lot, DCO, defense creates offense. We saw that in that Providence game. I mean, <clears throat> you know, Providence went ahead by one, like midway through, like pretty early in this in the second half. Um, after after kind of coming back a little bit because Oklahoma controlled it for most of the first half. The final 10 minutes, Oklahoma held Providence to seven points. Mm. They finished that game on like, a, on like a 26 to seven run. It was it was it was ridiculous. Um, you know, I think they forced 15 turnovers, 13 of those were steals. Um, that, 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 that's going to produce, like they've got the guards that can push it. It's, it feels like, you know, low Susan and, and JV on McCollum can just get into the paint at will. And, you know, whether it's, you know, we, we saw Los kind of hunt his shot a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive scoring wise when he's usually the guy that's kind of more of a distributor. Um, you know, JV on McCollum's been great. Providence coach Kim English compared him to, you know, Allen Iverson out there yeah. and look, I'm not saying he's Allen Iverson, but when a coach in the Big East throws out that comparison, like it, it opens your eyes because Allen Iverson was, you know, the best player in the Big East for two years before being the number one draft pick and going on to right. a Hall of Fame career. Um, you know, this roster has just been really impressive so far. You know, the way John Hewley and Sam Godwin have kind of complimented themselves. Tega's taken that next step uh, from his freshman year to his sophomore year. It's just a real solid core of guys. And like Porter Moser said, like the thing that stood out to him is that it's a very unselfish group. You know, they're not relying on just one guy every night to go out there and get 20, 25 points. You know, you're seeing JV on score 18, 19 some games. You're seeing uh, Tega Owe put up, you know, 18 to 20. You're seeing mm -hmm. Los get in there. You know, he had 11 points and, you know, 15 rebounds or whatever the other night. Um, you know, the, these, these, these guys, you know, they're stepping up in different spots. Sam Godwin had a dozen the other night. John Hughley's been good. Jalen Moore is just a psychopath ball of energy right. out there. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's been fun to watch this team, especially as a newcomer who didn't really get to watch Oklahoma much last year. And everybody prepping me is like, man, you know, th this team's tough to watch. It's not a not a very aesthetically pleasing style of basketball. And then I come in and it's just 
night and day from that from from what I was told to expect. So uh, yeah. if if you get a chance, definitely you know go out there and and you know watch this team. You know the students showed up pretty well the other night for a Tuesday night six o'clock tip. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a great crowd in Tulsa, even though it's probably going to be more Arkansas fans there. But you know this team just keeps stacking wins. They're getting more and more national attention. We've seen John Rothstein, John Goodman. You know, shout out Porter Moser and what they've done so yeah. far. Yeah. Man, having prime Allen Iverson out there is is very good for OU. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was fun to hear. I think this this men's team, they're going to get to the point where it's going to be Buddy Hill, Trey Young, you know, fan type of numbers. The stadium's going to get it's going to get filled up. I mean, it's it's yep. that type of team, I think. This is a very exciting team. Josh has been on them all all season. They're, they're very athletic. This is exactly what people thought Porter Mosier would mm-hmm. bring to Oklahoma. And I think what it's taken three years for him to actually get to three that year, point. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good for him. It's good for OU, especially because, as you said, I think they're a top 15 team as, as of right now. I mean, they're, they're playing outstanding, you know, beating the top dogs and everything. So this is this is fun. This is fun, man. Let's let's keep it going. Yeah, I think they're up to, I, I think they're up to number 15 in the net ratings. Obviously got a yeah. couple quad one wins under the belt, quad two win against USC, looking really good. So they're building that resume. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot about, you know, we learned a lot about them on Tuesday night against Providence. That was, that was a very good defensive team that came in to Lloyd Noble. Yeah, we're going to learn a little bit more about Arkansas, which, you know, Eric Musselman just seems to, no matter how the season shakes out, he seems to get that team to the Elite Eight every year. And mm-hmm. then, you know, in a couple of weeks, that, that trip to Charlotte to face UNC is going to be another huge test um, before Big 12 play opens. So they're, they're going to be battle-tested going into conference play because we all know how, how tough that Big 12 schedule is. But, man, they've answered the call every time out so far. Yeah, McCollum's just been great. I mean, I mean, they have players around him, but he's he's just been outstanding. I mean, you know, they they put his highlights out on social media, and CJ McCollum, you know, NBA uh, players president, yeah. pro, however however it is, you know, player, he shouted him out. He's he's good. So I mean, that's that's big time. Man. Oh, he's getting some some national recognition. I think here. No relation. Um, no relation. <laughs> no relation. Um, Jay McCollum is so good. Yeah. Um, he's been awesome to watch, and you know, on Tuesday night. That Providence game, there was a bunch of NBA teams there uh, represented. Um, and I don't know for sure. Obviously, I'm just speculating, but I feel like a lot of them are there for, for him. Um, he has been so fun to watch. And, yeah, they, they're they're flying around. They're forcing turnovers, creating fast break opportunities. They're blocking shots. They're getting boards. It, it's a night and day team from last year. And, obviously, we'll wait and see. The only question I really have right now about the team is – they're going to lose games. It's 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 basketball. They're going to lose games. The Big Twelve is way too good. You're not going to just keep winning every single night the whole way through. You play good teams on the road, literally in the Big Twelve, pretty much every single time out. How do they respond when that happens? When they finally yep. have some kind of adversity? Because so far there's been none. It's been all good so far. Whenever they do stumble for the first time, how do they do they avoid it spiraling on them? Because I think the last couple of years that would happen. You'd have a little bit of momentum and confidence and then have a couple of tough losses in a row then it just would snowball into three four more and it's like okay well now we're we're in some deep trouble now so we'll see what it looks like whenever we get there but so far so good really fun saw some people kind of you know on the crowd a little bit on tuesday look i was there i've been to a lot of six o'clock games in the middle of the week floyd noble center it's really hard to get there on time for a six o'clock game in norman floyd noble center that was pretty good. It was a pretty good crowd, I thought. It was loud. Students were there early. It, it's coming around. Um, Porter Moser's got it, got it, it brewing a little bit. If you beat Arkansas on Saturday, 
the hype just gets even higher. So looking forward to that um, at the BOK Center. Tom and I planning to get up there. Um, still at the mercy of some football stuff, but planning to be in Tulsa tomorrow for that uh, Arkansas game. As for the women, James, I'll let you hop in real quick. Obviously, they just played Grambling, I think it was, last week. Destroyed them. Yep. They're in kind of an open spot in their schedule. They haven't played a lot here, mm-hmm. frankly, since all, since last Thursday since we last talked about them. They have UNLV tomorrow. They're kind of in a holding pattern. After that good start, those couple of losses, and we're kind of just waiting to see them uh, get back into regular action against power teams to kind of get re-excited. Basically. Yeah, I mean, there, there's like I said last time, there's, there's been no tough, I mean, like bad losses just yet. I mean, they're – the right. teams they lost to have been ranked teams. They've, they have two losses on the year, so it's not like it, it's just a terrible start and things like that. They they're still going to be all right. I think when they get back into playing, it'll help them out. So like UNLV this Saturday should should be a pretty good matchup because both of those teams, you know, won their respective conferences last year. So I mean, they still have something you know in the in the gas tank there. So if OU OU women's can win this game, it, it'll it'll help them out in the rankings. They've already were getting votes as it was last week after the two mm-hmm. losses. So that would help a lot to to take this team down. And, and if they do it handily, that could put them back in the top 25, I think so. Yeah, I'm excited to see them get back out and play some some better competition here coming up pretty, pretty soon with UNLV yeah. tomorrow, like you said. Because, yeah. yeah, it felt like – it just feels like they haven't played a lot the last, like, two <laughs> weeks. The way their schedule kind of worked out, it's like mm-hmm. – when, when do they play next? Yeah, yeah exactly. They're, they're in Norman tomorrow, about the same time as the men. So double screen it if you're at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I should, I should, as you guys should be out in Tulsa, I should be out there before I head to the state championships for football, for you know, high school football. So that. try to give, uh, try to give a lot on on the site tomorrow. I should be expecting a lot on Saturday. Yeah, full day, fun times. Transfer portal hoops are playing well, both men and women. A lot to like. Lots of readings to hop aboard. Oklahoma.247sports.com. Sooners Illustrated. Become a VIP subscriber. Get all the VIP intel. There is a ton on there right now with transfer portal stuff and more to come here over the next few weeks, obviously, heading up to signing day. And obviously, as the window, like I said, it's still open for until January 1st. So uh, we're just getting going on the uh, insanity that is this month. That's it for us for now. We'll be back on Monday, talk about all the latest in the portal and whatever else is going to happen between now and then. Things will happen. Um, uh, We'll get into that uh, on Monday's show. We'll see you then. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, leave a review wherever you're listening or watching. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. All the latest press conferences, player interviews, things like that, podcasts, all can be found on there. We'll see you guys back here Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. See you.